Good morning. Welcome to our second service of 2021. And I'm so glad that you are visiting with us right now. I'm really glad that you are watching. And um, thank you for your prayers, your continued support. God is doing some amazing things within our midst. Uh, Before I get started, uh, I'd like for you to get your Bible. We're going to be reading out of Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Also, there should be an outline that has been uploaded to the Facebook uh, page if you want to get that as well. While I go over some announcements as to what it is that we're going to be doing this year and on forward. As you know, we have taken a break for the first, well actually the last couple of Sundays and we continued on uh, to take that break and we have been closed down for these past several weeks. The leadership team got together this morning Uh, Let me back that up. The leadership team got together on Saturday morning. I forgot that we are recording this for uh, for a later date. Uh, And we have concluded that we will open up again on February the 7th. That is the first Sunday of February. So February the 7th, we will open up. And of course, we're going to be cautious. We're going to be safe. We're going to have uh, social distancing. We're going to make sure that those that need a mask, they can wear one. We're going to have sanitize, and everything's going to be done basically the way we've done it before. So you come, enjoy. We'll have our praise team here, and uh, we'll be bringing another message. But for now, this is how we are having our services pre-recorded and ready for you on Sunday morning. Also, don't forget, if you want to give, you can mail your tithes and offerings to the church at 5095 Mayfield Avenue, San Bernardino, California, 92407. We make sure we'll get that address up to you. Also, we have our Tithely app that uh, that you can use to be able to give a a monthly donation, a weekly donation, a one-time donation. We really thank you for that. Um, North Park Church, the members, you guys were faithful this last year. We were in step, didn't miss a beat, didn't have to go anywhere else because You guys are just awesome. And uh, you'll be getting your statements for the end of the year by the end of January 31st. Okay, so before we get started, I'd like to lead us in a word of prayer. And uh, we'll dive right in to our message for today, Psalm 46. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you once again for giving us the strength, the energy, the stamina to continue on in the ministry. It has been difficult these past few weeks not to be able to meet and to be able to congregate as you have commanded us to. We are not to neglect the gathering of the saints. But Father, circumstances dictated and we are gathering as best as we can and as often as we can. We thank you for the ability of technology to be able to send the messages out on a regular basis. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people to continue on in the ministry. So, Lord, we just pray that your word today would resound so loud within our hearts, within our minds, that we recognize that we will not live in fear because you are our strength. You are our refuge, our very present help in times of trouble. So, Father, once again, we ask you to lead us in all things. Lead us through this psalm that David sang with the people. And help us to understand and to know that you are always with us, regardless of what we may think. Thank you once again, Father. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, when we started, well, actually, while I was finishing up last year in 2 Corinthians, I thought it good to go on and continue to the next book, which was Galatians. Galatians is a region, not necessarily a city or a people. It's a region of people, of of cities that are in uh, the area of Turkey, which is about right now. And um, if you wanted to equate it to something that you're familiar with, it's kind of like saying the Inland Empire. We know that the Inland Empire is not a city or uh, it's just a, a location, how we identify these cities that are gathered together. And um, <clears throat> while I was in the hospital, Ken sent me a verse, and, uh, and I, I really just appreciated it. I shared that with you last Sunday. If you haven't seen it yet, I want to implore you to go back and take a look at it. And in the process of that, I found another psalm that I think would help us, at least for the beginning of this next year and in through the year. Now, before we get started, I just need to explain a couple of things, just some very basic things about Psalms. The book of Psalm is exactly that, a book with 150 songs in it. Every Psalm is a song. These songs that were written were written in such a way that everybody sang them together in unison. They all agreed to what these words stated. It's kind of like when the praise team leads us in a, in a song, How Great Thou Art, How Great Thou Art. And we sing that together and we sing it with gusto because that is one thing that we are all in agreement with, that God is great. How great is our God? How great is our God? And we sing it together. See, so these psalms, were sung by the people in various ways, sometimes in travel, sometimes as they congregated, sometimes in the church, or sometimes just out in the open or for a festival. But they were always sung by the people. And also, we're going to find a word in here that is not very familiar. And that word is selah. You'll see this at the end of some of these verses, like, for instance, at the end of verse 3 and at the end of verse 7. Selah. It's, it's an interesting word. Most commentators don't come to an agreement as to exactly what it means because, well, we don't know where it comes from. But because it's in a song, most agree that it must be a pause of some sort. It, and they get different Hebrew words that sound like it or that have that word added to some other words. And so they are coming to a conclusion that it's, it could be a pause within a song, kind of like uh, what we do when we sing, there's a pause in a song and we let the instruments play in the background, something similar to that. And also it could, it could mean something to the form of meditation, where not only do they pause, but they meditate. They stop for a moment and just think upon what was just said. So as we go through this psalm, we're going to come across these words. I will pause for a moment to look at what it is that the psalmist is trying to say to us. Now, with that said, Psalm 46, let me read it, and then we'll come back and we'll go over it. Psalm 46, to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. If you notice the word Selah mentioned at least three times in this, in this psalm. And I took an intentional pause, but we'll get, we'll get into that just a little bit more because there's some things that I believe we can learn from this psalm for our life today. I know that in 2020, doing a play on words, 2020 vision, most people believe that if you remember correctly, I even said, this is the year of clarification. We should be able to see what God is doing. We will see 2020, and we will go forth in the vision that God has given us. Well, I don't know about you, but I think most of us can uh, be very glad to say that 2020 officially has been laid to rest in the history books in a year that was filled with unpredictability, twists and turns, and, well, so many things. We never, ever thought this would happen. If there was anything, anything that 2020 gave us clarity on, is that it all can be taken away in just a moment. 2021 is starting off just as unpredictable as 2020. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to wonder what the next 12 months are going to hold. A new president is about to be inaugurated, along with the new Congress. Governmental restrictions remain in effect. Large sectors of our economy are still shut down. Health officials predict it will be months before we even see any type of normalcy within our our own lives, our own cities, our states, our nations. No matter how uncertain the future might seem, as believers, we're not pessimists. No, we're not. We're optimists. We're optimists because we believe that God is sovereign and because God is in control. He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. We find solace in His goodness and in His sovereignty. We find comfort knowing that He holds everything, that even though we may not know the future, we know that He holds the future. We find hope in knowing that He is still on the throne, regardless of who the president might be. And so with those things, the, the psalmist comes to us in Psalm 46, and he shares with us and he articulates these truths that we can find in Scripture just about anywhere to know that God is the one that has our life in His hands. And my intentions today is to encourage our hearts with bold confidence of the psalmist in the face of trial, troubling times. My intention is to encourage our hearts with the bold confidence of the psalmist in the face of troubling times. Why can I say no fear this year? Why is that our mantra, no fear in this new year? Why can we say that? Well, there are several reasons. Well, first of all, I'd like to say, number one, that God is our refuge and our strength. God is our refuge 
and our strength. Look at verses 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Last week, I talked to you about the Israelites in the book of Numbers, how Numbers was supposed to be a victory lap, a victory march into the new promised land. Instead, it became a death march, a 40-year death march, till each one of those people died because of, of their lack of faith. When it finally came to fruition, Josh, Moses had died and Joshua was placed into leadership. And God told Joshua over five or six times, just in the first few verses, do not be dismayed, do not be discouraged, have, do not be afraid, do not fear. And Joshua 1.9 kind of sums it all up. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And as Joshua continued to march forward, they went into the city, the Ammonites, and he says, I want you to go in there and destroy everything. Do not touch anything that belongs to them. Destroy it all. And Achan found gold and silver and a scarf. And he coveted it. And he said, I will take it with me. And he did. And he took it to his camp and he buried it underneath his tent. And because of that, every time that the people went out to fight, they lost the battle. Joshua said, God, what's going on? You said we will be victorious. God tells them, there's sin in your camp, and I want you to find it. So what he had Joshua do was line up all the tribes. And out of all the tribes, he pulled out Judah. Out of Judah, he pulled out a family. Out of that family, he pulled out a, a section. And out of that section, he pulled out Achan. And he told Achan, what have you done? And he says, well, I saw it and I coveted it. This gold, the silver, and I wanted it. And, he, and Joshua tells him, because of your sin, we have lost in God. We have lost God's favor. And, and because of that sin, God commanded Joshua to stone him and his family. And it's interesting because right after that, in verse 9, excuse me, in verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. There was still fear and dismay in Joshua's heart. Over and over and over again, there is fear in the heart of God's people. It has been said, and I haven't verified this because, well, you know, I know it says this over and over again, but it has been said that in the Bible it says, do not fear, over 365 times. That means, according to the source, that there is do not fear verse for every day of the year. Why is it, beloved? Because we fear. There are things that are just out of our control, things that we don't know, things that we can't see. And so it causes anxiety and fear. But you cannot, you should not, I will not live in fear because God is my refuge and my strength. I'm going to be like Paul. And I want to implore you, beloved, to be like Paul while in prison. Paul says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Imagine that. I don't know about you, but I would be crying in prison. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not 
be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What is it that we have to fear? We could list all kinds of things, anxiety, apprehension, and fear of of the future, of fear of the past. The events of last year provides us with a huge list of things that we could be afraid of. But there's two things that the psalmist talks about, two things that he says in this psalm that God says that we should not fear. Number one, God says, do not fear natural disasters. Do not fear natural disasters. Verses 2 and 3 says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Let's pause right there and think about that. Think about the mountains being moved, the sea. Think about the tidal waves that took place last year and the years before, the earthquakes. Think about all the turmoil that this world has been through, the volcanic eruptions. Think about all the natural disasters, the hurricanes. God says, do not be moved, do not fear. He says, even though, even though these things will happen, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Because God is still in control. He focuses on these two categories, the natural disasters, especially the earthquakes and the destructions that they might cause. And he also focuses on national disasters. God says, do not fear national disasters. Look at verses 6 and 7. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Let's pause on that one as well. I believe the psalmist wanted us to pause on that, to recognize, you know, Israel has been under siege over and over and over again. Israel has seen kingdoms totter and fall. Israel has seen the earth melt. Israel has seen how this fear sets in the hearts and in the minds of man. And even in their hearts and in their minds. And nations are raging and national disasters are happening. Specifically the violence, the upheaval, the riots that take place because of no leadership. When nations go to war and governments crumble and people die, those are national disasters not only on our national level but worldwide. And when those things happen, it causes a lot of fear. The information, misinformation, the the news that comes out, the fake news, the, the real news, nobody even knows anymore. And this next year, we're going to see a lot of that still happen. If any indication of this year is an indication of what's going to happen this next year, we're in for a lot of national disasters and maybe even some natural disasters. And there, these are the categories that sum up the experience of 2020, and they provide the main categories of concerns as we look to the uncertain future. So likewise, the psalmist recognized the dangers posed by both these nature and national, and we too have to recognize that these things are possible, yet we will not fear. But how is this 
uh, kind of confidence and resolve in the face of instability and hostility possible? I believe Psalm 46 answers the question for us. And it, is not by, it does so by lifting our eyes off this world, lifting our eyes off of all this trouble, lifting our eyes off of this kingdom and showing us and looking at the kingdom of God. Don't put your eyes on the world. Put your eyes on the word. Don't put your eyes on this nation, but put your eyes on God. God himself, he will keep us. <clears throat> Those who know and love him need never fear. Though the mountains tremble, the seas collapse, though the kingdom rise and fall, though the wicked men flourish, and though our lives are but a breath, we need not fear. And I will not fear this year because, number one, God is present. God is present. Going back to verses 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. In Psalm 139, which is just a few chapters up ahead, if you want to turn there with me, this is a very familiar passage. Many of you know this. Psalm 139. And I'll just read a little bit, uh, starting with verse 7. And verse 7 and 8 are in your outlines. But it says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, <clears throat> even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And why does he know this? And how is it that he's always there? How does he know this? Because he says in verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. I will not fear because God is present, regardless of where I go, regardless of what I do. He is always present. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, therefore go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all the things that I have commanded you, he says in verse 20, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And not just with you sometimes. Not, not just with you during the bad times or when you call on Him. He is with you always. There's, a, there's also a premise to that, to this promise. The premise is that you're going and making disciples. You're doing what God has called you to do, to fulfill the Great Commission. So we do not fear because God is our refuge and strength. He's our solid rock, our foundation, our refuge, and our stronghold. And he's our very present help in trouble. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's right here. So therefore, we need not fear. If you look at verses 2 and 3 again, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble as it is swelling. 
Selah. This is poetic language that describes the earthquakes, and it stands in stark contrast to the reality that God is the eternal rock of ages upon which our hope is built. The ground may quake, but God is immovable. The earth may change, but God is immutable, never changing. The mountains may crumble, but God is unassailable. He's unbeatable. The tidal waves may form as the waters roar, but God is unmoved. Though the mountains quake and though the seas rises, that God remains sovereign on his throne, unshaken in control and in charge as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Though this world might seem like it's in a huge upheaval, turmoil, riots, all kinds of things, God is still in control. The rocks of this world may shift and fracture and fall, but the rock of ages will never fail. And those who hope in him will never be disappointed. Earthquakes prove that even solid ground can tremble and give away, but our confidence rests in that which is infinitely more secure. Our hope cannot be shaken because our hope is in the Lord. In contrast, we see this chaotic world. We see all the things that are happening, this unsettled peace that characterizes this world, but God is not like that. And there is this picture that the psalmist gives us in verses 4 and 5. It's like a calming effect right in the middle of this song. As everybody sings this song together, they all sing, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Think about a calm, soothing river, the way it flows, just how it ripples down the river and the banks, and, and it just it is really soothing to listen to and to hear. And this is the picture that the psalmist has given us in the midst of these natural disasters, in the midst of these national disasters, in the midst of all the chaos that's going around. He says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. For those who rest upon God, for those who look upon God, those who look above and beyond all this turmoil, God says, you need not fear, there is a river, a river of life that is Jesus Christ himself, a river, a water that he leads us beside these still waters. There's rivers, this water, this water of life that you will never thirst from again. And he gives us another reason as to why I will not fear this year. Because, number two, I know God's power. I personally know God's power. You personally know God's power. You have seen his power. You know his power. You understand his power. It just seems that we're right in the middle of the thick of things. We forget. Last week, we shared, I shared this with you. Remember. Remember where I brought you through. Remember how you were slaves. Remember how I redeemed you. Remember how I saved you. Remember, remember, remember. Why? Because we forget. So I need to remember God's power. The Lord of hosts is with us. Well, we kind of know that. So why does the psalmist have to tell us that again? Because we forget. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's always with us. When we remember God's power and we remember His sovereignty, it reminds us we need not fear, even in the face of great adversity, 
and hardship, which is nothing right now compared to what's going to come in the great, great tribulations. And I pray, beloved, that you were not there to see. But before that tribulation happens, all these birth pangs are going to take place. <clears throat> in verses 2 and 3, the psalmist responded to trouble in the forms of natural disasters. Now he focuses onto international turmoil. And what he's doing here is he's bringing things to a close. In our own day, international threats, though perhaps more distant, still persist and are present and are a reason to fear, perhaps even closer to home, or the threats against the church that seem to be rising up now. Don't know if you've read or if you've heard of the things that are going on in, um, in, in back east, either in Alabama or in uh, Virginia, where they are actually suing and they're fining churches because they will not allow transgenders to join or to be members, or even to work for the schools and the churches. $10,000 for each offense. Schools, churches in these states are being attacked. Throughout the world, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians being killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. There are new laws that have been implemented in a lot of countries where it's illegal for a person to convert a Muslim into Christianity. And that, uh, the, pe the penalty for that is death or imprisonment for life. Beloved, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. There's that persecution that we have no understanding of what it's like. And I believe, like I said last week, the church is not ready. We're afraid of a flu. We're afraid of a cold. We're afraid of the things that are taking place. Beloved, we cannot live in fear. And so to answer these questions... He has his look at verses 6 and 9. And in verse 6, we hear the cries of the nations, and yet there are nothing compared to the voice of the Lord. The nations make an uproar like a tantrum, and yet God speaks, and they melt away in silence. And in verse 7, he, he is called the Lord of hosts, a title that emphasizes that he is the captain of angelic armies, such that the military might of any nation on this earth is nothing compared to the glorious power of the one who is our stronghold. And then in verse 8, verse eight, he says, Come, behold the works of the Lord. See, he's the creator. He is also the judge, such that, and the rest of that verse says, he has brought desolation on the earth. These things don't happen without him knowing. And he causes these things to happen. He causes nations to rise. He causes nations to fall. He causes these natural disasters, not because he's evil, He's showing us His power. And He's showing us that He is in control, not us. Not global warming. Not any political system. But it is God, God Himself, that is in control. The psalmist declares that God is sovereign even over the wars of men. He allows one government to overthrow another. And God does this because that's who He is. His power is on display. And the most powerful of human governments are under his control. Men may seat themselves. You think that this election was won because somebody had more numbers or because there was a mistake? You think this election was, was just done because of the way it was done? And you're thinking, well, great, I'm glad he lost, or I can't believe they cheated him. Do you really believe you, beloved, have that power? That a collection of people have that power to overpower and overthrow what God wants? God is working something behind the scenes that we have no clue. 
His sovereign choice and His sovereign will is unfolding before our eyes. We know the end. We've read the book. We know that He returns and this world is demolished. All of this is part of what God is doing. Whether we're a monarchy or an oligarchy or a democratic republic, whether it's socialism, capitalism, it is still God that is in control. His power is on display even as the nations rage. He is still on the throne. You can find comfort in that. That truth means that we do not fear. We do not need to fear. There is a third reason why I will not fear. I will not fear because I can rest in God's purposes. Now, notice what God says here. And notice at who He is talking to. He is talking, first of all, to the nations. He is talking to nature. He's talking to the people. And this is who He's talking to. But He's also talking to us as believers. But He says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God's whole purpose of creating mankind is for man to exalt God. All nations, not just Israel, not just the United States, not just believers. Everyone is designed to exalt God. But as you know, the Bible says that we're depraved that we are wicked, vile sinners, and some of us have been saved by the grace of God. And therefore, our furthest inclination is to exalt God. What we do is we exalt ourselves. This is the penalty. This is the sin. This is what we are under God's wrath about because we will not exalt God. And when I say we, I mean collectively as human beings. And his whole desire has always been that he be exalted among all the nations, not just those that he chose. He says, be still. He says, stop shaking, stop striving, and know that I am God. He says, I will be exalted over both of you, the nations and nature, over everyone, over every nation and over all the earth. Jesus himself said the same thing. Jesus was able to bring that kind of peace. He said, be still. As God is saying, be still. Just just be still, beloved. Rest in the fact that God is in control. And if you remember the story in Mark chapter 4, verse 39, they woke him up because the sea was going back and forth, and this poor little boat was being tossed back and forth, and they all thought they were going to die. And as as he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Nature. He told nature to be still, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? It's within our nature to be afraid of the things we cannot control. But your spiritual nature, your new nature, has got to rest in the promises of God, not in the problems of this world. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear 
and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Look at this. They weren't afraid of the sea anymore. They weren't afraid of the water. They weren't afraid of dying anymore because, well, everything stopped and paused. They were afraid because they were in the midst of holiness. They were in the midst of greatness. They were in the midst of the creator of the universe. That's why they were afraid. They wondered to themselves, who is this that commands the wind and the sea and they obey him? Who is this? We know that he is Jesus of Nazareth. We've heard him say that he is uh, bringing and we've seen how he's done all these miracles and healings. But nature, the things that we cannot control, he himself controls. The pride of the mountain is brought low. The might of the nation is turned to dust. The glory of the God who rules over both nature and nations shines forth. He alone will be exalted over all. His glory will be put on display. But there is also a message for believers in this text because sometimes the shaking of the earth and the striving of the nations tempt our own hearts to shake with fear and our minds to strive with worry. The truth that serves as a rebuke to the world to be still and recognize God's greatness serves as a wonderful comfort to us. It is a timely reminder. Be still and know that He is God. Just pause. You find yourself in anxiety. You find yourself in fear. You find yourself in things that you cannot control. Pause. Selah. And just pause. Be still and know that he is God. But I know that. No, no, you don't. Not if there's anxiety in your heart. Not if there's fear in your heart. Not if there's uh, this, all this terror in your heart. Not if you're so conflicted at the political system. Not if all these things are bothering you in such a way that they can't, they, they don't make you move. Be still. Selah. Pause. Reflect. Meditate on the fact that he is God. Stop worrying, stop fretting, stop shaking, stop striving, stop, stop going here and there and trying to stop and trying to go wherever you're going. As, as, the, the, as Paul said to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. Anything. Take a deep breath and rest in the fact that he is God and you are not. You know, to me, taking a deep breath is a gift that I couldn't take here a few weeks ago. And now I am ever thankful that I can do that. You know, sometimes God has to make us to pause, to stop. Are you having anxieties? God will make you stop. Are you having anxieties over the election? Are you anxious about the COVID? Are you worried about your loved ones? Are you afraid about the stock market, the banks, or the financial institutions? Are you afraid of getting sick and dying? Are you afraid? It's interesting because while I was in the hospital, I realized, well, I already knew most of my life, all my life is not under my control. I had a roommate next to me, a believer, 
And, you know, he was a very successful businessman. He was telling me on how much money he was making and how many deals he had made and how he was constantly going, 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 going. And I asked him, I said, so what, what has God told you about all this? What has he shown you? And he says to me, without skip, skipping a beat, he says that it can all be taken away like that. And a person that moves like that, like your pastor, a person that is constantly on the go, it's almost demoralizing unless you realize that God is doing something in your life. See the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God took your pastor and made him lie down for several weeks. Sometimes God has to make you lie down. Just so you can pause and be still and know that he is God. If you're anxious, if you're worried, if you're scared, if you're afraid, if you're discouraged, I have a word for you from Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus Christ. Let him give you the rest. As I said earlier, 2020 was supposed to be a year of clarity. After all, 2020 implies that everything will be brought into focus. Well, it didn't bring much clarity except for the fact that we've come to realize that life is short. And there are things that are beyond our control that we cannot change. And we come to realize that everything, the dining, the movies, just the freedom that we had, none of that is important. What's important is our faith in Jesus Christ and our family with whom we reside with. And all these things, these things that we have lost and we have gotten rid of and we have willingly or unwillingly given up, they're not important. The most important things are not things, but the most important things are the things that has given us our peace in Jesus Christ. You know, for the self-centered, secular, materialistic world, 2020 represented a vivid wake-up call to reality. And I pray that we take this opportunity and share with people that we are believers in a great almighty God and his sovereignty, and we will not live in fear. <clears throat> I pray that you can use this time as, as it continues to unfold to share with others on who God is and what he is doing that is bigger and greater than anything we can ever think or imagine. He will be exalted. He will be exalted in all the earth. He will be exalted by all the nations. That is his goal. And his glorious purpose will be accomplished. It is our joy to be included in those purposes. And those whom he has redeemed by his grace are to be involved in this making of what God is doing. And thus we can proclaim with the psalmist in verse 11, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I heard that one. Father in heaven, thank you once again for that promise that you have given us. That in spite of anything that goes on in this world within our life, 
You're in control. Help us to be still and to know that you are God. Help us to pause, Selah. Help us to understand that you, my God, know exactly what our lives contain. So we thank you once again, Father, for this time of worship, this time of word, and this time of gathering until we can all gather again today and give each other that hug, that fellowship that I so long desire. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Continue to be with each person that is within the sound of my voice as you bless each household, as you continue to to move in their homes and, and the things that you do there, Lord. I pray, Father, that you just show everyone that you are still in control, not just during this Sunday, but every day of the year. Thank you, Father, once again. Teach us to draw closer to you, to worship you, to be part of that exaltation that you desire on a daily basis. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Until next time. This is Pastor Sal, North Park Baptist Church, signing out.